0: Welcome to TSOB with Dr. G, a podcast featuring intellectual table talk about race and sexuality. I'm your host, Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert, a sexuality educator, writer, and researcher. Join me as I talk with the most brilliant minds in human sexuality, applying a professional Black lens to discussions about sexiness, health, and healing in the new millennium. It's TSOB, the sex ed of Black folk. Let's get to the
1: get down, shall we?
0: All right, y'all. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode, a special bonus episode of TSOB with Dr. G. I'm Dr. Tracy Gilbert, and I am so super happy to be with y'all uh, in this conversation. Um, I know we are actually off season at this point. We are getting ready for season three, that's going to start in September. But before we do that, I wanted to have this very special bonus episode with someone that I, whose work I've I've come across within the past year, and and work I, I just feel really super excited to share. Um, And the person I'm talking about is none other than Christina C. Jones. Uh, She is an author. She is a writer. She's particularly a writer of romance novels. And so uh, we're going to talk about those because absolutely, I do think, uh, and I know from the work of hers that I've been able to read that it does absolutely connect with sex ed. So I'm going to read Christina's bio, and then we're going to get into this conversation. So Christina C. Jones is a best-selling romance novelist and digital media creator. A timeless storyteller, she is lauded by readers for her ability to seamlessly weave the complexities of modern life into captivating tales of Black romance. As an author, Christina's work has been featured in various media outlets such as Oprah Magazine and Shondaland.com, and she is the winner of numerous community awards, In addition to her full-time writing career, she co-founded Girl, Have You Read?, a popular digital platform that amplifies Black romance authors and their stories. A former graphic designer, Christina has a passion for making things beautiful and can usually be found crafting and cooking in her spare time. She currently lives in Arkansas with her husband and their two children. So with that, welcome to TSOB Christina. Thank you so much for being here and being able to talk with me today.
1: Thank you for having me. And thank you for the proper inflections on girl. Have you been?
0: <laughs> Yes? Oh, I, I peeped that. I peeped that. I knew what that meant. <laughs> yes. Um, so 2020, you know, that that big demon that happened to all of us really put me in a place where I had a lot of a lot of free time on my hands outside of work. And so I started getting into romance novels. I'm not sure how I did that, but um, I I just was on my audible listening to stories. And, and I was just like, you know what? I feel like cultivating that energy. So I started listening to romance novels and I really got into um let's see, who was it, Alexandria House's work and was really like titillated by it and just thought it was really cool. And of course, Audible makes all these recommendations. And so, of course, the next recommendation was like, so have girl, have you read, like, that's what Audible did to me. Have you read Christina C. Jones's work? And so I started reading your work and it was just like, wow. Like, I, I, I love all the authors for different reasons. But one of the reasons I was like, I have got to get you on this show was because As a sex educator, Mm -hmm. your work was so, like, accurate and, like, so, to me, really authentic in terms of what people go through in terms of their sexual experiences of life, of Mm -hmm. sex, of relationships, and all of that. And I was just like... I got to get her on the show before anything. So, so before anything, I got to ask you, I'll ask you the main question that I ask all my guests, but before anything, have you ever been a sex educator or a sexual health educator, or do you have that in your background anywhere?
1: Not even (laughs) remotely. Oh my gosh. Cause when I tell
0: you, like, I was like that, I was like, okay, has she done this? Because I feel like she's talking about these concepts and she's teaching like, like she knows something, like she's been trained. Like it's just. Flawless execution. And so I just really wanted to give you your props on that and really want to... I was like, I we got to talk that. about this. Definitely. Um, <laughs> so that's why I, I I wear my imagination about this episode. Even before I had a podcast, I was like, I'm going to talk to her about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, So that's where we're really going to end up going. But before we get there, let me ask you the question. I ask all my guests to start a question. Where you're from, where your people are from, and what if anything has you thinking about sexuality these days
1: um well i'm i'm from arkansas Uh, i was not born in arkansas my people are from chicago and that is where i was born. okay but i I don't feel like i get to claim being from chicago because i was like a baby when my family lived there and (laughs) arkansas is arkansas is the home i've I've only ever been old enough to actually know. Yeah, too. And so I always say Arkansas when people ask me <laughs> where <laughs> I'm from. Um in terms of what has me thinking about sexuality, um my 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 mind goes to orientation. I'm not sure if that's what you're asking me, but my sure. mind goes to orientation. Mm-hmm. Um because of course it's Pride month. <laughs> yes. And yes. so I'm seeing, you know, all these different conversations about um, acceptance and kind of identity, figuring yourself out, all these different mm-hmm. things that that kind of factor into identity and all of that. And I'm just thinking about ju- just that in the context of where we've been versus where we're going. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know, just hoping, hoping that everybody can come to a place of being able to be who they authentically are yes absolutely is what is paramount to me and i know that like i know that my experience has been um i don't want to use the word lucky but that's honestly what first comes to mind you know i'm a heterosexual woman like that's never been you know that's that's never been in limbo i guess for me like that's never been questionable Mm -hmm. for me and So to some degree, like, I have no idea Well, there's, there's limits, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, to what I can understand and what Mm -hmm. I can, what, what I know myself, Mm -hmm. but I want everybody to be able to feel that type of security, you know, who they are. Like, I know who I am and I think that everybody should be allowed to be that and allowed to, I guess, explore that without everybody else deciding that it's their business come on (laughs) come on absolutely yes i guess at the root of it yeah absolutely and i i think that's a,
0: a great place to start you you're You are reminding me to acknowledge to folks like you're going to be hearing this in August, but we are recording this during Pride Month. So I think that's always the question of thinking about, like, how do we create spaces that are more inclusive and and that are more that helps people imagine all the ways that people show up in the world sexually. And and I do think your Mm -hmm. your books do a great job of introducing that and introducing that diversity and really authentic and uh, dare I say, natural, normal ways, as in it's not, now we're going to have the queer moment in this book. It's like, no, it's just like, it's just part of the the woven fabric of the communities that you create, so I really love that as well. Um, okay, so you're not an educator, which I'm still like, I don't know. I I, I don't believe you. I feel like you're so good at the, <laughs> the way you describe <laughs> things, but um, tell us how you got into novels, and romance novels in particular. How did you get to do that
1: work? Well, I I've always kind of been um, like a creative mind. Like that's always Mm. where I've been. Um, I did not grow up with a lot. And so I grew up reading a lot of of books. The library Mm. was like my best friend. Like I didn't grow up with like a ton of, well, I won't, I don't, and I don't want to paint it as if I didn't have toys (laughs) or anything Mm -hmm. like that because it wasn't quite like that. But books were definitely kind of more of the, that's more what I gravitated to because mm-hmm. they were available to me and they didn't cost anything. Right. You know, the right. only cost was my library card. And so I think that from an early age, I was kind of doused with, you know, with, with creativity mm-hmm. from all the different worlds that I dipped into mm-hmm. via reading. And then as I got older, one of my favorite high school memories is writing stories and notebooks and passing those notebooks around and people coming up to me between classes. Who has it now? Like, <laughs> Oh, Ashley has it. You're going to have to wait, you know, before mm-hmm. it. you're going to have to wait until she's done with it, all of that. And then I kind of fell off from it. Um, I went to college. I did, I did start college with the intention of being an educator. I went to college with the intention of being a teacher. Um, it, it that did not pan out <laughs> um, <laughs> probably for my good. Uh-huh. But, you know, life went on and I was still reading but definitely not writing and creating as much because you you get into this mode, especially as a broke college kid. I I I, I couldn't I couldn't turn to family, you know, I had to mm-hmm. work. And so mm-hmm. all of that just kind of piled on top of each other. And then you know, I met my husband, got married, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a very, very hard pregnancy that first time. Mm-hmm. And then I got pregnant again. And I had a very hard pregnancy the second time as well. But I think it was even tougher because I was also because I also had a toddler, um, at mm-hmm. that time. And so mm-hmm. it was just even tougher and I needed like in those moments where I was just so sick that I just honestly thought that I was going to die. That's just how sick I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed something to ground me into, which is, this is going to sound so strange to say, that I needed something to ground me in reality. And so I started writing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I started writing again and it kind of woke that love back up. It yeah. woke, it woke that, all of that back up. And eventually I ended up, with kind of a group. There was kind of a group of us we had met on Twitter. Um Nicole Falls. I, I'm yes. sure you've read Nicole Falls before. Yes. Nicole Falls was one of those that in work. that group. Um and we were, you know, we were in this group and we we all knew that we loved writing. Um I don't think that any of us at the at that time, like at the very, very beginning, thought that we were, you know, actually going to do anything with it. We just mm-hmm. knew we loved writing and this mm-hmm. is what we wanted to do. And then I found out about I could publish this myself. Like I don't have to, I don't have to go through this process because I wasn't, I wasn't even that serious about it. And so mm-hmm. why go through this whole process of right sending a query letter and all of that when I could just publish it myself? And I, you know, I'll have this under my belt. I'll be able to say that I published a book. Um, and I published a book, and people actually liked it. <laughs> and it was yes, like. Oh, okay Um, And so I I kept writing And I published more books And people liked those books too And what's so funny is that first book um, After I wrote it, I actually went back And took out all the sex scenes Any cursing, I took all of it out Because I was so worried Not about what God thought But I was so worried about what the people at my church might say I was so worried about what they might think about it, mm-hmm. and then I thought about it, and I thought about it some more, and then I went back and I put all the sex scenes, <laughs> I put it yeah. all back, and because... we are glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I was—it's it's not that I was fearless about doing it at all. Like I was I was I was terrified. I was still, right. you know, like my pastor maybe a year or so ago, he was like, you should, you know, you should do a thing at the church. And I no, sir. I appreciate that. I appreciate that you want to support me. But I don't I don't think that, that would be appropriate. <laughs> I think. Do you want your church to close? No? Okay. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> but I've I've come to a place now where there is like a, there there is still the concern of what people might think, but mm-hmm. I'm at a place now where the stuff that I'm writing, like sometimes I stretch it a bit, you know. We mm-hmm. <laughs> it's fiction; we could stretch it a bit. But yeah. For the most part, these are these are real people. This is the stuff that real people go through in yeah. their real lives. Ain't none of that surprising to God, like, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he ain't <yes>. shocked <laughs> right. about any of this, and if he didn't want me doing it, I've like I feel like God has stopped enough in my life mm-hmm. with a with, sometimes with a very firm hand that if He was not you know if 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 this is not what I was supposed to be doing, I feel like He let me know, and so that's mm-hmm. what you know that's what I had to. That's what I had to lean into. You know, these are real people. These are their real lives. These are their real sex lives. Right. That this is what happens, you know, between consenting adults. And as long as there is no one being like that, that's, I mean, people write that stuff. That's not what I write, you know. And as long as everybody is consenting and all of that then this is just what it's going to be. Yeah. And from there, you know, once I, I I did come to that conclusion back then. I wasn't necessarily comfortable in it, but I came to that conclusion back then. Now I'm fully comfortable in it. But yeah, yeah once I came to that conclusion, it was it was on from there. And Beautiful. 60 60 something books later, I really don't even know. Right. <laughs> Look, I'm like you. Too far in now. You got, you, you got way. I too can't many count books. them anymore. Yeah,
0: but but you're. I think you're right. I I um. Once I read your first series, which is the Serendipity series, and we'll talk about a piece, a couple of the books from there in a second. Um, I was just like, I need to go back and read everything that Christine has ever written. Like I went back <laughs> and was like, I need to read it all. And and I've been holding out because I recognize I really love the audio experience a lot better than the written. So there's a few that I'm like waiting to see like, okay, wait, is she going to release that first? But then at the same time, I'm like, <laughs> but at the same time, I need more. So let me just go see what's here. And let me just read what I can read real quick. So I've been doing a lot of that. And, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. 60, 70 something. It's a lot. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> but they're all, they're all super amazing. And I love hearing that backstory, uh, particularly how you were intentional about including real stories and just really wanting to Mm -hmm. center people's real experience, which I know is kind of one of those things in romance that seems to be like, well, you can kind of play with it or play around with it because like, I I think the term they call it is magical realism where like some things it's like you kind of expect in a romance novel where it's like, okay, you got to suspend your disbelief, but it seems like Mm -hmm. with your work, there's kind of a a good balance between those two. And I feel like that, that brings me to the next question that I want to ask ask you, I ask everybody when you think about your professional self and this the being rooted in sexuality, what do you feel like your sexuality superpower is if you feel like you have one?
1: Um, that is a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, with 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 sex, right, there's <laughs> there's only so many certain ways to do it. There's only so many right. certain ways that Whatever the parts are, there's only so many ways (laughs) that they go together, right? Right. So what really makes the difference is the personality Mm -hmm. and the chemistry of the couple. And I I I think that I'm good at bringing the chemistry of the couple together with these two different personalities to create experiences that feel different, even though they're the they're pretty much the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Every, you know, every sex scene that I've ever written has been between, you know, a man and a woman. I do have a few queer characters, but the overwhelming majority, you know, of my work is, is, Mm -hmm. is heterosexual. But I think that each of those couples, I think that even though, again, we have this, you know, we have this, these these acts that mm-hmm. are basically the same mm-hmm. but making them making them not boring and making it feel like a different thing every time for each of these different couples and it's 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 very stressful. Yeah. It's very <laughs> stressful. <laughs> Cause it's like when you're in the process and you're the couple is meeting and they're they're figuring each other out and all of that for the writer it's like okay get to the good stuff like this is cute but (laughs) when is but then once you're there it's like oh my goodness yeah why was I so like why was I trying so hard to get here because this (laughs) is one of the hardest parts Uh of, of of the writing you know making sure that it works making sure that the things that they say and I'm not even talking about making sure that there's not like six hands in the scene uh, if, right. if there's not, you know, if there's not that many people, if it's not supposed to be. Right. But the other stuff, you know, making sure that if there's any little, you know, any little dirty talk or whatever, mm-hmm. making sure that it's not out of character for right. those characters. And right. making sure that making sure that it's all smooth because I know <laughs> I know some people say, you know, some people skip sex scenes. But I often say that if you, that you should not do that in my Mm -hmm. work, like in some, in some of my books, you probably could, you know, but in a lot of my work, you should not (laughs) skip it because, (laughs) me either, But, um, (laughs) but you really should not because there's, even in those scenes, there's character development happening. Yeah, There's relationship development happening, even in those scenes. And I'm, I'm guilty of, I don't, I, I, I don't care to see intimate scenes on screen. Like mm-hmm. I, and and I think that that's I think that that's less to do with me really not wanting to see it and more to do with on screen a lot of times it's it's just carried out in a gross manner or there mm-hmm. has not been enough buildup. there's not the chemistry isn't there mm-hmm. or it's just creepy. You know, mm-hmm. you can tell that the director or whoever was just a creep. But <laughs> right. In books you have all this context you know, before mm-hmm. and after that makes those scenes important too. Yeah. And yeah. so I like to believe <laughs> that I'm good at making sure that those scenes are just as important as the stuff that happens before and after. Yeah.
0: And and I would absolutely agree that you have. Um, I think everything you, you just said. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. And I think everything you just said, because at this point now, I think I've read at least a dozen different authors and one of the things Mm -hmm. that allows me to be able to try new authors is recognizing like everybody brings a different thing right I think I said this about one of the books she wrote that like I would have loved for one of Alex House's uh, men to come in and just (laughs) body one of these like I I need somebody to come (laughs) die in this story but I recognize that that's Alex's gift right (laughs) to be able to come and like give you some endings that are like yes this fulfills my ego maybe this probably wouldn't end up like this in real life but I I love this. Whereas I I think (laughs) (laughs) what I think you just said about really being able to give us glimpse into characters and really seeing the complexity of how they interact with each other. Like I definitely can see that as your superpower. And again, from a sex ed perspective, I'd like to add in just really how much thought seems to go in to making things as, with, well, within reason, because like r- the refractory period, um, I feel like that's just the thing in romance novels that are just going to be there. Like penises <laughs> just bounce back in romance. That's just <laughs> what they do. But outside of that, everything else is just, it literally for me feels almost textbook. Whereas a, an educator who really wanted to facilitate some useful conversations could take your work and really give some factually, like medically accurate um, like really authentic information to really have some useful conversations. And I think that's important. Um, I was really going to go through the list at this point. I feel like in your work, I've seen discussions about reproductive health. So all the things around contraception, sexual negotiation with Mm -hmm. contraception, the fact that um, every single person in their authentic character has some type of negotiation around contraceptives. Are they going to use uh, STIs? Are they getting tested? Those sorts of things. But even Mm -hmm. consent and uh, respectability and Mm -hmm. sexual orientation, like you said, like I just... Like I'm I, a lot of this is also just gonna be me fangirling. I, if you haven't heard it, yet, I'm also <laughs> fangirling just because it is it's literally work after my own sex educator heart. Because um, so the first book I ever read of yours was Crazy Little Thing Called Love, and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna spoil it, but there's a character in the uh, book that gets pregnant and experiences a a, a medical emergency related to that. And even just how you describe that, it is so authentic to me where I'm just like, I could literally see taking that scene and sitting with young people or sitting with an audience and talking about reproductive health and the signs Mm. of, you know, if your body is going through an experience where I'm like, this, this is, you know, this is what we're looking for in terms of the types of really relevant material that can reach people and get them clued into concepts. And so um, mm-hmm. to me, that's also just an amazing superpower that you have to just really
1: break it down in realistic ways. So, so something that's, well, two things. One, <laughs> um, the contraceptive thing. I did not realize until, like I did not see it as a reader But Mm -hmm. once I became an author and I would see things, certain things in reviews and stuff like that, I did not realize how tuned in other readers were. Because again, I didn't, I never paid it that much mind Mm -hmm. how clued in other readers were to the, to, to, to healthy sex habits, to safe sex. Um, Mm -hmm. And you would get like in trouble if you, if you did not, if, if there was no contraceptive and mm-hmm. as soon as there was no contraceptive, everybody assumed oh she must be she's she's about to make this character pregnant, which mm. isn't really how that works.
0: although uh-huh, uh-huh. oh, uh, no, I will but, acknowledge there have been a few of your books where I'm like, oh, they didn't do it so does that mean this person's getting pregnant <laughs> so yeah, I think that is a reaction
1: of mine too no and I and I and I and I definitely definitely get that it's just. It kind, of, it kind of boxes the author, it almost like it boxes the author in mm-hmm. to this this one-to-one dynamic. It's like either they're not, either they're using a contraceptive and no baby is happening or they're not using a contraceptive and no baby is happening. But there's mm-hmm. a third, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there's a third option too and probably more, but that is what really made me pay attention to that. And, mm-hmm. and ever since then, seven years ago, it's always, I'm, I'm very aware of it. Like, mm. I'm super, super aware of it now when I'm writing. Um, and the other thing is, it's really important to me that if someone who just relates very closely with whatever character I'm writing, I'm always thinking about that person picking up this book. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. if I write a character who is, you know... A firefighter who, I don't know, I'm trying to think of something that I have not read. <laughs> but if I'm writing a character who is a firefighter who has lupus, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll use that as the example. I don't ever want, if a firefighter with lupus picks up this book, I don't want them to feel like I'm using their condition or their humanity as a plot point. Got it. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want them to feel like this is, you know... Like, this is making light of what they're going through mm-hmm. or making light of them as a person. Like, I want everybody who, if you pick up my book and I could have been peeking in your window, like, that's how you feel about what, mm-hmm. you're, uh, about what you're reading. <laughs> this is about to sound so crazy, but I want you to know I was peeking respectfully. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was... <laughs> Right, 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 right. <laughs> uh, like I never want somebody to feel like their humanity is being reduced to somebody else's entertainment. Yes, books, I get that. You know, book books are entertainment, but
0: but the stories that it sounds like the stories the entertainment and right. not the person's uniqueness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: The story yeah. is the entertainment, not the character. Yeah. Like, you're here for what they're going through.
0: Yeah. And you just reminded me too, just the the diversity of characters that like you have folks with disabilities, like physical, but I also, there's some people that I'm like, I'm not a clinician, but I feel like this person (laughs) is on the autism spectrum. Like there's something about what they're giving me right now where I feel like, like there's different characters that they move in ways that are not oh, this person just is perfect in the ways that we've conditioned to see them as perfect, mm-hmm. right? And so, but mm-hmm. they're not, again, like you said, it's not, it's not about this. Like I, I said, we're only going to talk about two different stories, but I'm now thinking of the Wright brothers and <laughs> thinking about Jay Wright. And like, yeah. there's just this word, world of like diverse characters that are real human beings and, and, Definitely Mm -hmm. given now that I've read a lot of different writers, I recognize that is a particular superpower that you have that I I think is really useful in terms of the bigger emphasis or the bigger impact that your books have to me as an educator. So, um, but I want to also acknowledge to, to move the conversation on a little bit that all of your characters are black folk, right? And that uh, yeah. this is something that you are <laughs> intentional about. So I would Very love for you to talk uh, a little bit more about that. Like, why why are you so emphatic about Black characters and Black love stories and Black sex stories? And how does that inform
1: how you show up to your work? Well, I think that I've just, I've always been surrounded by Blackness. I've mm-hmm. always been immersed in Blackness, even even here in Arkansas in a very white <laughs> mm-hmm. I live in a very white county in a very white city I think the population I think we're maybe we we might be 15% black and I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like I'm pushing it I mm-hmm. feel like I'm pushing it when I when I say 15% but even in that like I've just always been surrounded by by black people and I love us and As a reader, (laughs) there, my one of my favorite authors of all time is Eric Jerome Dickey. Yes, Eric Jerome Dickey was put into my hands when I was maybe twelve or thirteen years old. Which Mm -hmm. anybody listening who has read Eric Jerome Dickey knows that that is much too young. Of course, it is (laughs) to be. But I had my librarian, my local librarian. I had read all the Babysitters Club. I had read all Mm -hmm. the Nancy Drew. I had, you know, I read all the boxcar children. I read all, you know, the Lord of the Rings and I'd right. I, I read it all. The Baker boys. And, <laughs> right. I, I had read all of it and she knew like this white woman and I'm in the South, you know, mm-hmm. and she knew I needed to see myself. And mm-hmm. so that's what she put in my hand because that's all she had. Mm. At that time, that's all she had. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids these days, like my little girls, they're still not enough. But I love how easy it is for me to find age-appropriate books for them, yes. with you know, with with black girls and with black kids um, mm-hmm. in it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'm getting off track. But as a young reader, I did not see enough of that. And even mm-hmm. even as an adult reader, coming into you know coming coming into this. There, like I said, we had Eric Jerome Dickey, uh, Terry McMillan. Um, there's others who uh, Omar Tyree, and there's there's others who are just slipping my mind right now, mm-hmm. of course, because I'm trying to talk about it. Um, but we had we had those people, and then we had, you know, kind of the the more traditional type romance, romance right? Yeah. Um, that was, you know, the Brenda Jackson. Uh, oh, why is my why is my brain slipping like this? Like Brenda Jackson, uh, Donna Hill, those women who were writing like straight up traditional romance, but it was kind of like there was not much between. And even with the even with that kind of Kamani romance that we had so much of then and that was so important to us then, I felt like as I got older as a reader, like as an adult reader, it just started to feel different. just started to feel different like I did not see I did not see enough of us and I did not see enough of us presented in this more realistic way like it felt like everything that I was seeing was being filtered through is (laughs) being filtered through this certain it's like you take a black story and you put it Mm -hmm. in a colander and you rinse it and What's left is a romance story and on the surface the people are black, but all the all the nuances, all the like all the seasoning kind of has been rinsed off. But they're still <laughs> yeah, black. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's still a romance mm-hmm. story there, but it's 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 just been so heavily filtered and I right. felt like I did not see enough of us unfiltered. And when I came into this, that's what I thought you had to do. That's, what, that's the way that I thought you had to write it. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that traditional publishing ever would have worked for me. <laughs> uh, especially not sense. at that time. Yeah. Maybe in 2021, you know, we'll start and I, I, I don't have a ton of confidence, but maybe, maybe sometime soon we'll start seeing more of our romance stories that, that just feel like us, that don't feel like they had to be, you know, mm-hmm. sanitized. They just feel like us. But because of that, it just makes me so passionate about keeping us at the center of anything that I write, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever anybody else wants to write, that's, that's their prerogative. Um, writing is such, um, it's such a delicate process, like in terms of being in tune with your muse and being in tune with your ability to even produce. Underneath it all, I don't begrudge anybody else what they want to write, what they want to do, what kind of characters they want to have. But for me, my muse, my muse doesn't even send me anybody who isn't black. So I don't, mm. I don't even have to make those type and that's of. That's that on that. <laughs> right, I, like right. It's, it's really not a decision for me. This just, it this just is what it is. I write black characters, and I'm yeah. very confident in saying that that's. I don't. I don't think I would ever do anything else. Yeah. And they're gonna be all over the spectrum. Me saying that all I'm going to write is black characters. That I don't feel like that limits me at all. I don't feel any at type all. of limits yeah. with that. And that's what yeah. I I see so oftentimes in these conversations. Well, I wanted to write this, and it wouldn't work with a black character. You a lie. <laughs> right right like it, like let's
0: we haven't gotten into them, but we haven't even touched on like the paranormal books you've yeah. done the book wonder that you did that was about reimagining Alice in Wonderland which it took me a while to get to that one because I was like I don't know if that's my yeah. thing and I read that book and I was like wow <laughs> like amazing and then your whole series about the roses and thorns which was about reformed uh assassins mm-hmm. and Like, even that, and and again, what I love about it is, like, you give us the, you can even give us these fantastical experiences, but still give us really relatable stories where I'm like, I can totally see how this character who had this particular experience of trauma is now trying to negotiate being in this environment and asking these specific questions and going through these specific developmental tasks. And it's just like... Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and that like, like, I just love, and I love the centering of us because you're right. There's so many diverse ways that we can show up that often get kind of in the media, like in terms of entertainment media, they kind of get pushed to the, the margins mm-hmm. because we only want to tell a certain type of story, which brings me to my favorite couple, like might literally be my favorite couple out of all, well, they're close out there. They're close out <laughs> there. Because the more I read, I'm like, oh, I love this one too. And they cool. But probably my favorite couple, Edison and Astrid. <laughs> like, that. Like I've read that book. Like, uh, some of your books I've read several times. That one I know I've listened to at least six times. I am in <laughs> love with the story of Edison and, and Eddie, basically, and Astrid. Um, I would love to have you tell a little bit more about what brought you to this particular story. So so just to clue in to y'all, um, like Christina said, she doesn't write a lot of queer characters, but these are actually two uh, queer identified folks who have are moved into a relationship with each other and have experiences along the way that I just think, again, are just really raw, just really intelligent, really thoughtful and really relevant to not only their experiences as individual black people, but to the communities that they're in as well. Mm-hmm. And so, I would love for you to just share a little bit more about how you got to them like how did they speak to you and how did they come forward and
1: just look. Oh, just amazing. I was not going to write them. I was not mm-hmm. going to write them. Um I did and it's it, mm-hmm. it's not because I did not want to. Um, I did not feel equipped because, again, Mm. I'm not part of the queer community. And it Mm. felt like, in the same way that when I see people who are not black writing black characters, I'm like, eh. Yes. You know, like, Mm. and that's not to say that nobody else can do it well. I'm just, I'm a little cautious. Right, right. And in the same way, like, I felt like that about myself. Like, that's not really... Like that's not really up to you. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to like again, you know, going going back to my firefighter example, I don't ever want someone who 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 identifies as the same thing as my character mm-hmm. to feel like, oh, it's just, you know, it's just for a storyline. Because I know how hurtful mm-hmm. that is. I hurt I know how hurtful that flat or just kind of one-dimensional. Yeah. yeah, that representation that just does not hit, hit the mark. I get it and there are so many authors who write queer characters beautifully and it's like why do you feel like you need to step into their lane? Like you need to mind your business. Right. You need to stay in your lane, (laughs) you know, because I know I see Mm -hmm. a lot of, I see a lot of discourse about how, you know, every story should have queer characters. Every story should have black characters, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And I don't, as a soundbite, this could probably get me in trouble, but I don't necessarily Mm -hmm. believe that. I feel like every story should Mm -hmm. tell the story of the characters that are included in that story. And Every yeah. story just does not include everyone. And yeah, I don't ever want to inject something into my work that does not naturally come just to just to check off a box and make myself seem like mm-hmm. something that I'm not. And mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. very very wary of that. I believe that everybody deserves mm-hmm. to be represented. I believe that everybody deserves mm-hmm. to be able to see themselves in media and in books. But I don't know that I believe that it is every author's responsibility to do that because everybody isn't going to do a great job. And I feel like we should turn right. to people who do a great job at, <laughs> mm-hmm. at those things, mm-hmm. like let's uplift those people. And so I had all of this going on in my head, mm-hmm. but the characters would not leave me alone. They wouldn't. they were like, no, you gonna do it. You gonna do it. <laughs> they yeah. would not leave me alone, and so I finally had to kind of put put all of that aside, put all of those concerns and all of that aside, and just focus on on just focus on telling their story with the same realness and the same depth and everything that they gave me. I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. put it all out on the page, and I'm going to I'm gonna get on the internet, <laughs> and I'm going to mm-hmm. read as much as I can, um, read a lot of yeah. personal narratives, listen listen to people talk about their experiences and things like that, so that if, as I step mm-hmm. into this, I can make sure that I'm delivering this and that I'm presenting them as whole and as real and as mm-hmm. you know as, as complete characters, not just this archetype of a character and I, often I feel like I feel like characters aren't allowed to be human I feel like they're mm-hmm. not allowed to it's, it's like this is who this person is like Eddie is a confident bisexual man so that's all we're, all that's all we're ever supposed to see of him on the screen is mm-hmm. exactly that mm-hmm. the surface shallow character right
0: fucking everybody and just talking about sex and yeah. But that's not
1: what he is. He's so much more than that. There's so much more depth to him than that. And when that book opens, like that's the, that's the frustration that he's having. He is, he's on a date with a beautiful woman who he chose. Mm -hmm. He would not have asked her if he was not interested. And all she's concerned about is, well, I heard you did this and I heard you did that. And what if this? And Mm -hmm. what if that? And he's like, can I live? <laughs> can I just, can
0: we just be here? Can we just be together having this meal together? That's, and right. that's what makes me like, like, I'm like, Eddie is really book bay. Like, I'm like, just being able to, I appreciate being you telling that story of a bi man as well, who's able to be comfortable in his bi as mm-hmm. well, because um, particularly knowing what we know about bi phobia within LGBTQ yep. community, it's like. Here's a story of a bi man who isn't on the path to being gay or on, you know, having in a phase or anything of that. And then being in relationship with a bi woman who isn't in a phase yep. and being able to tell both of those stories and really show it in a, again in a way that it doesn't sound like an after school special.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's just really, really amazing. And so I was going to actually ask you about the level of research or what type of work you did to be able to kind of fill in the pieces. Like there's a specific scene and if we can get it, I'm going to paste it in here, but there's a specific scene where, Astrid is, in commun- is having conversation with a couple of folks in Eddie's hometown who are, I guess they call themselves trying to out Eddie to her mm-hmm. and kind of, well, you know, he's doing this and, and she basically debunks a lot of the myths that they're discussing. And so t- tell us about how that came into the story and, and what work you did to really be able to tell that <laughs> the way it should have been told.
1: Well, <laughs> that particular scene was really talking to my Black women, um... Mm. We 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 have we have work to do, you know, in that area. And amen. I, I I fully understand that it is very nuanced. It's a very multifaceted conversation. Our feelings are our feelings, and our preferences are not. Uh, they don't just come out of nowhere, <laughs> right? But they are there, you know. And you can't you you can't just flip a switch like it's not that easy but we have work to do when it comes to the way that we treat bisexual men in our community Mm -hmm. we just we just have work and no one's saying that you have to date somebody that you don't want to date because they don't want to date you either (laughs) like if you don't right (laughs) right
0: (laughs) right you know (laughs) They're not waiting on you, sis. Right. And
1: so, like, that's not what anyone is saying, but just it's more about the attitudes. And some of the stuff that those Mm -hmm. women said to Astrid in that scene are things that I heard about Eddie as a character before I wrote him. Mm -hmm. Like, when I would talk in groups and stuff about, you know, about potentially writing him, that's the type of stuff that I would hear. It's the type of stuff that I've heard in real-life conversations. You know, it's the type of stuff that Mm -hmm. I've seen – on, and and conversations online and all of that. And again, like I'm 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 not I'm not placing myself in any type of position to judge anyone because I've never been faced with you know <laughs> with that kind of question mm-hmm. or with that kind of situation. And so I'm not necessarily judging anyone, but it's just the the attitudes, the attitudes,
0: yeah. and the opportunity. Yeah, and it sounds like too. It's just what I gather from it besides just getting my life and, like, <laughs> wanting to throw my phone like, oh, my God, look at this. This is so dope. It's just the opportunity to really air it out mm-hmm. and talk so it can be discussed. Right? Because I, I, I'm with you. I, I feel like I... I hear those things get said and I hear folks make those little comments and it's just like sometimes I think people don't realize how musty they Mm -hmm. sound and so being able to have a passage like that to be able to say okay let's unpack this and talk about where this comes from and talk about why it's like why it's erroneous and why you sound stupid and 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 doing it in a loving way Mm -hmm. so so there can be constructive growth.
1: I've even heard things like I didn't believe they're happily ever after because I don't believe that he's, I don't believe he's going to be only happy with her mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. And I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. what this? <laughs> like, I truly do yeah. not understand what anyone's sexuality has to do with that. If I choose you. Yeah. Period. <laughs> period. Like right. no matter what right. orientation we are, if I chose you, that's the commitment that i made. That's it. And then um, there were people who would say, well, it was cool that you wrote two queer characters, but you made them straight for each other. And I'm just that's that's really not how it works at all. That's really not how it works. But (coughs) admittedly, it's like even though logically I understand that (laughs) I've I've not had more queer characters like queer main characters come to me since then. And I wonder if Mm -hmm. it's I wonder if it's fear. I wonder if it's fear, mm. like I was literally, I, I kid you not, there was a, it was just last month. Like I was just kind of thinking through, okay, what are my next things going to be? What potential couples? And it, it it struck me that I have not had another mm-hmm. queer character come to me. And I yeah. wonder if, if I wonder if that's just what it is. And if, if that's just what it is, that's just what it is. But I also wonder if mm-hmm. it's like, is, is my brain not a safe space for them? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like I it just it just makes mm-hmm. me wonder if because of the fears that I had and because of the stuff that I and that I that I heard about that book and then maybe I unintentionally internalized that stuff where now I'm like maybe I shouldn't maybe mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't have written that one, not because of biphobic people or anything like that more because again, going back to i I don't want you know, an asterisk to read that and feel like yeah "Mm, you know she didn't really get this right you know i i don't want that you know and i and and more than that i don't want it to be like well she get this she didn't get this right and this was not her business anyway like this was not her place anyway. and i haven't heard that you know nobody has said that to me but it's just it's it's a worry you know it's a worry that i have because i don't i don't want to be that person I don't want to, yeah. you know, I don't want to position myself as, oh, well, this doesn't exist. I should go write it. And it's like, no, this,
0: yeah, nobody asks you. And, I, that. and I will say, <laughs> right, right. And I will say as an Astrid, except I'm not at all in the yoga yeah. as well as Astrid is, <laughs> I will say, I think even while we talk about black characters, right, there is such a Pantheon, if you will, or such a diversity of Black LGBTQ folks mm-hmm. that, like, there is not one way to tell a Black queer story. There are so many different ways. And so, for me, it felt really re- like I was like, can I just get, I would love to meet Eddie. I would, come on, Eddie. I got you, baby. Let's go build our life together. And I feel like um, just being able to see that to me was really resonant for me because I think so often when i see lgbtq care i've read some of the other novels it is so much like just very like focused on very particular types of queer identities where there mm-hmm. is no Flexibility, And so to me, I was just like, I think this is it's one of a variety of different stories. And I mm-hmm. and I I hear what you're saying about that hesitation. And it makes sense because I think we're at this place now where people are so hung up on re- representation that they're like, no, it has to look like this mm-hmm. or hope because they're so afraid that this is the only shot we have. Yeah. Where it's like, actually, there's so many. There's so many things that are opening up now that we can really tell all different types of black stories, yeah. black queer stories. You know, all of that. So uh I'm for one am very grateful that Eddie and Astrid are here and I, I <laughs> you know, I hope you get more characters coming knocking on your door. And if you don't, I think you've done an amazing service with just the two of them. And also I love Lauren. Uh that's her name right the, Yeah, The gynaecologist in Vegas. In the, I, She's funny yeah. to me. She is funny to me. I love her. So. So Lauren
1: <laughs> Lauren is a mess. Um,
0: but she's funny she's a funny mess um so christina let's say you've got um there's somebody listening who might even be an educator or they're just like you know what i ain't picked up a romance novel in 20 years so i didn't know y'all was making them when they don't live in montana no more they just chilling (laughs) in the block what and that's that you know what that was shade and i didn't mean for it to be shade but because I love them stories, too. I did. I love them stories. However, for the person who's like, I would love to get into this more. I would really love to learn this more. I would even maybe love to use these with maybe some of the folks I teach mm-hmm. or work with. What might be some suggestions or some inspiration you give to them to get started?
1: Um,
0: From my catalog? You can start your catalog or even just outside of um, specific books. Like anybody who may even thinking about the folks you might you talk about at your church like folks who are like I would love to dip my toe and learn more but I'm a little nervous
1: what how would you encourage them um <laughs> my first thought is my first thought is the internet but the internet is such a um that's a that's that's the wild wild west it's a dangerous <laughs> place True. but I would say there is just so much available from you know, articles that can give you, like, specific recommendations for pretty much whatever you're looking for, YouTube. Um, And I know that that seems very general, but I honestly, that is where I would start, you know. That is where I would start. I want to read about X and kind of start there. And then from there, there's tons of really robust communities and such um, all over social media. Mm-hmm. which is again the while I keep I keep making these dangerous <laughs> suggestions.
0: Although there is the safe space on Facebook, the Blackwood Community Center, which we didn't even get into your neighborhoods that you created, yes. but
1: that is one safe space that
0: I tend to enjoy, the Blackwood Community Center. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um but yeah, in terms of like and I and then, you know, down to me kind of specifically, I think that so before and after I started therapy, I think that therapy has been present in my work. Um, I've only, I've been in therapy yes. myself for like a year. No, probably two years. Cause it started, I started before the pandemic. So for, for about two years, um, I've been mm. in a consistent, like a regular uh, therapy schedule. And I'm thinking about my books that kind of center it more than others. Um, I'm thinking mostly about uh, equivalent exchange which mm. is a book that we actually get into some of her sessions, that that heroine, yes. we get into some of her sessions with her therapist. And I'm just thinking about the things that that heroine goes through um, in the ways in which therapy shows up for her. Um, I'm thinking about uh, The Lies with yes. Brandy and Kyle. Brandy was the first person um, that popped in my head. Who is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> She is struggling with what she, she doesn't know what to call it. You know, she calls it gray days Um, is, 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 is how she refers to it. And I think I even put a link to Therapy for Black Girls Um, in, in that book mm-hmm. um, so that people could tap it and just go straight there and to try to find someone. But I think that it's so, I think that it's important for us to be able to have just candid conversations about just not relying on what we think we already know. Mm-hmm. Because so much of what we know, quote unquote, so much of what we know is informed by, by incorrect opinions <laughs> and incorrect ideals Facts. that is important. It's important for our romantic relationships, for our friendships, for, for our family relationships, for our parenthood that we are constantly learning and constantly evolving and not always just relying on what we know. Like, I'm quick to go to Google about everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes what I see, I'm like, "Uh, I don't know about that. And sometimes I'm like, oh, my goodness, that has just opened my world up. And a lot of times I've seen things in books that Mm -hmm. open my world up, that introduce me to concepts. in Rome, And I don't mean, you know reference books i mean romance novels. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things that have oh like just concepts that were introduced to me that i had that i had no clue even existed yeah. and i was then-
0: gonna say we didn't talk about the kink books that you <laughs> the books you had that include kink,
1: <laughs> because baby
0: <laughs> the accuracy it's the accuracy <laughs> for me and i only know <laughs> it because i studied it that i'm like okay yes this is like
1: Yes. And yeah. When I'm <laughs> introducing these things, like I don't ever want to, honestly, especially when I'm introducing those mm-hmm. things, I want to make sure that, um, like we you you touched on, the the consent mm-hmm. thing, that's so important to me, because I know how young I was reading books that I had no business mm-hmm. reading. And I know that there are going to be teenagers who have Mm -hmm. no business reading my books that are going to be reading them. I was at a book event one time and crazy little thing called love. A little girl, uh, she, she Mm. wasn't, I'm calling her a little girl. She was a teenager, but a little girl Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) came up to me and she wanted that book sign. And I was like, sis, where is your mom? Like. (laughs) <laughs> I, need to, like, I need to talk to your mama about that first. She was <laughs> like, girl, I got a
0: job. If you don't sign this book so I can get to work. <laughs> well, her, no, her mother was there. Her
1: oh, mother okay. was there. Yeah. And her mother was like, no, we read these together. And her mother said to me that she had a conversation with her daughter about that book. Because in that book, some uh, the, the, the heroine, she is tipsy. Mm-hmm. And the hero refuses to... To engage yes. in, in an intimate moment with yes. her because he feels like she can't consent to it, and that little—I that, I need to stop calling it little the little bag. It's okay. At this point, it's okay. I'm sure she's a grown woman now, <laughs> but <laughs> but her mother was like that. Gave her an opportunity because they were reading it together exactly. And that gave her an opportunity to have a conversation with that girl before she went off to college mm-hmm. about what that should look like about what a good guy will and won't do mm-hmm. and about what enthusiastic consent. Like, I, I want you to be, when you say yes, I want you to be excited about it. Yes. I want to know that you mean that, yes. And so that's what I'm, you know, that's the type of stuff that I'm like, okay, yes, I'm on the right track here. I'm doing, yes. you know, like this You're is- You're doing amazing, like, sweetie. Point. And so- <laughs> But no, especially when I'm introducing, you know, something like those alternative, (laughs) alternative sex methods and, you know, kink and stuff like that. There needs to be a certain level of safety. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a certain level of safety for it to be engaged in a healthy manner. There needs to be absolutely clear consent. Um, even though I did push the lines of it a little bit in a recent release, I, <laughs> she, she was excited about it, but I don't think she even knew what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, like when I'm, when I'm introducing those things and talking about those things, I feel like there is a certain responsibility and I like, I take it seriously because I know that real people are re- real people mm-hmm. are reading this stuff and real people are being influenced by these things and if <laughs> that's the type of stuff that I want if, if I'm going to influence you about anything that's the type of stuff that I want yes. you on like yes you should go to therapy yes you should get consent yes you should be willing to listen to people yes you should be open to forgiveness mm-hmm. from someone when it when it's just a simple miscommunication mm-hmm you know, yes, you should be willing to hear your friends' opinions. Yeah. And like, that's the type of stuff that I want to, to influence people on, if if there's anything. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Like, and, and all of that definitely comes through. It comes through.
0: And so that actually brings me to one of the last questions I want to ask you, just thinking about kind of where we are as a society, just with all the changes that we've experienced, particularly around representation and just being able to see new stories and have new mm-hmm. ideas. What do you feel like your place is, particularly someone now who is kind of an OG or considered an OG in this work? What do you feel like your <laughs> role or your responsibility or your even your, dare I say, your legacy might be in this work in, in terms of telling black stories, telling romance stories, et cetera, and so forth?
1: I hope that I have influenced, influenced people to just not feel like they need to tame the blackness of their work. Mm. Not feeling like their work being black means, quote unquote, black means that it has to fit any certain mm-hmm. mold. You can write black work, quote unquote, and it can be anything. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I saw that when I was starting. I don't feel like I saw that not within the context of the romance genre. You know, there's been black people who write everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, there were definitely, I'm definitely not the first black author to write a paranormal story. You know, I might, I might I believe that I'm the first (laughs) to write um, a a paranormal Alice in Wonderland retelling (laughs) set in. A post-apocalyptic future. (laughs) I might be the first one of those on that very specific thing. But my hope is that because I wrote that, people, you know, people coming behind me who maybe had an idea for something similar. Maybe theirs was, you know, a historical Cinderella with zombies or something. I don't know. But maybe because they saw Wonder, not even because they read it, but because they saw it and saw other people talking about it, it's like, hmm, maybe I should go ahead and write mm-hmm. mine. And so I hope that all the stuff that I could not find, and so I mm-hmm. wrote it, I hope that my stuff is what somebody finds and says, okay, I'm going to yes. write mine too.
0: And I'm just going to say, I'm, I'm going to put this on you just because, I want to and it's my show <laughs> I hope your work will inspire more folks like the, the reader that you said who sat down with her daughter to like have these conversations mm-hmm. like I hope that there will be educators who will take your work and be like you know what I need to teach this girls group that I'm working with or I need to teach this class about this so I'm gonna use an excerpt from here I'm gonna l- let them listen to this scene here and do like I because I also believe that sex ed can be so much bigger than what we make it now in terms of I'm going to come into mm-hmm. this class and I'm going to mm-hmm. demonstrate a condom. It's like there's so much that's in our real time experience that can be used for learning opportunities. And so I just yep. I will forever big up your work as an example of that, because I just think it's so powerful, I appreciate that so, so much, much. powerful um, pieces within it. I will say if I can put in a request for two stories. <laughs> I would love to see, I would love to hear more stories, too, about sex work. I, so if you have recommendations, I don't know who's writing mm-hmm. about sex workers' love stories, but I would love to
1: um, read that uh, type of story. I don't, the the absolute closest, and this is, Might be sin. This is a major stretch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and that, that, Which was a, that was, a du- a that was actually a stretch. really
0: good story too. Right. Yeah. Like, Sin, yeah. Sin um, was a, a, a dancer at a club and, mm-hmm. and relocated. In the and, Connecticut
1: King series.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm and trying to, I'm
1: looking at my. I've got some of my book covers up here. You you can't see it, but it's, it's across the the wall for me and I'm looking and I'm trying to think. Yeah.
0: "Mm." Yeah. I mean, I think you've touched on it that you reminded that, which, whoa, baby, that story. (laughs) My God. Okay. Great story. (laughs) Um, and there's parts of Dacia's story that feel like they're included yeah, some the sex work in that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would love to just have like a straight up, this is someone who is doing this work. You know, maybe a webcam girl. Who knows? Um, and of course, I would also love a sex education story.
1: I thought about... I, I thought about a webcam girl. I had... It's still oh, ruined. yeah. It's still... It's still... Ruined. I l- it's still Listen... Ruined.
0: Like, where's the Monique, uh, Monique meme? I, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, a sex educator story because people think sex educators are so, like, they have sex all the time and that's so not sexy. So I would love to see a sex educator find love and what that's like. But. All right. So we're done with all the formal questions. I do have my rapid fire questions that I want to end with. Um, if you'll indulge me. Okay. They're just five sentence stems that I'll give you the, the beginning. And you just give me the first thing that pops in your mind. And that'll be how we end the conversation. Sound good?
1: Okay. So is it, is it one word or? No, whatever Or comes, just whatever. Yeah.
0: Whatever comes to you. So it could be a sentence. It could be a one word. Okay. It could be whatever. Okay. So the first one okay. is sexiness is confidence. Yes. All right. The sexiest thing about blackness and or black
1: people is our diversity in appearance and shape and tone of voice and I could I could go on a long time and you'd be absolutely <laughs> accurate. Absolutely correct. Um my go-to for
0: feeling sexy is
1: Beyonce. Come on. music. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, Sexual freedom for black
1: folk is achieved when? We step outside of the need to judge people and the need to feel judged or rather the need for the need for affirmation of ourselves from other people.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Last but not least. When I'm done being on this podcast, I will <laughs> eat breakfast. <laughs> right. I was going to say at this point, we get into brunch hours. <laughs> and I was like, probably get you some coffee. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for this conversation, Christina. I'm so glad Thank that you, you joined me. me. Why don't you tell people where they can find you, uh, your social medias, all that information that you want folks to know. Uh, please share.
1: I am all over the place. I'm either being Mrs. Jones or Christina C. Jones, all over the place. That being Mrs. Jones is a holdover from when I was a mommy blogger. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> back with back with that first pregnancy, and I just I just stuck with it because that I mean it's it's a big part it's of who I dream. am. So I stuck with it. Um, and so it's at being Mrs. Jones. That's on Instagram, Twitter. That's my Facebook page. Um, over on YouTube, I'm Christina C. Jones. I do all kinds of stuff over on YouTube, talking yeah. about my writing process and making bows. Like cool right? <laughs> I, narr- I narrate stories and I craft and all kind of stuff. <laughs> Definitely. So we'll
0: make sure all of that is in the show notes so people can follow and support. Um, if you have nothing else, Thank I you. have nothing else and we are done. Thank y'all for listening. And we will talk to you again in the next few weeks. Uh, be on the lookout for new episodes coming in September. Bye. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to TSOB with Dr. G, produced by Dr. Tracy Q. Gilbert of Tembi Anaya. To keep up with all things TSOB, follow us on social media at TSOB the podcast, which you can find on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For past episodes of the show, visit TSOBpodcast.com or subscribe to the show, either on YouTube or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Now, don't forget that you've got homework for this episode. To find the downloadable worksheet for this or any other episode of the show, head on over again to tsobpodcast.com where you'll find it and any other important information from the show notes. And finally, do you have any questions or thoughts to share? Sound off by email at mailbox at tsobpodcast.com. Again, this was TSOB. The Sex Ed of Black Folk. Thank you for listening. Talk again soon.